special. Sounds like a serial special care or something, I don't know. Well, I, I wasn't planning on being here, but plans change. Pastor Jack gave me a call, and uh, I am very glad I am here. Before we start, let's just look to the Lord in prayer. Our Father and our God, as we come to you, Lord, we praise you for who you are. We thank you for your goodness to us. We thank you for this beautiful day. Any day we can rejoice in it because we know you've made it. Do ask, Father, that you would speak to my heart this evening and speak to each and everyone here. And Lord, that we would leave this place knowing that we're going into the mission field. And, and not only that, but that we could be a blessing to someone for your honor and for your glory. And we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Just a few things, updates. We, it seems like we just finished our winter. I saw Phil Dubois and he says, I still have snow in my driveway. Under the hay and whatever. So if you want to make snowballs, go see Phil. But we, uh, Don and I, were, were pretty busy and we took a week off to come work. <laughs> so it's, it's good, but it's a different work. So it's nice, it really is. But uh, for, our, for our winter programs, we can take uh, 56 children every weekend. So that's January through mid-March. But we still need 200 volunteer staff to fill all the slots for our winter program. And Don and I visit a lot of churches. Uh, we're setting up missions conferences. But right around the corner, June 17th, we have our college-bound students coming in. And we always wish to have at least six girls and six guys. We've got six girls and three guys. So just pray to that end also. And we like our senior counselors to be dads, you know, to be, to be dads. It's a good thing because some of the kids come to camp and they don't have a dad. And the dads that are there are their dad, their grandfather, their, their counselor, whatever for, for that whole week. Um, three days after, June 20th, we have Christian Youth in Action that's starting. And you just heard a little bit from uh, Mark in his newsletter. We're going to have over 100 teenagers there. And it's, it's a real treat. You think 100 teenagers would be out of control, but it's not. It's, it's organized. Chaos. No, it's not. It's, it's, it's good. It's absolutely great. And if you, want, if you want to know if teenagers, you know, can do the work of the ministry, they can. And we don't give them a lot of uh, authority but we do give them a lot of responsibility. And they grab a hold of that, and they run with it, and it's good. Um, then our first week starts July 1. And we go through seven weeks of camp. We're done August 17th, I believe. And then we take a breath, and we have a couple weeks off. But can Christian camping make a, make a difference in the life of a teenager, make a difference in the life of a boy and girl? If it could not, we would not be there, to, to be honest with you. We don't go, we're not at Camp Good News because it's a place to relax. You are not at your job because it's a place to relax. Wherever you're working, you don't go to a, a, a construction site because you like the sound of jackhammers. It's your responsibility, your job. So that's why we're there. But I, you know, every, every camper that comes to camp, whether they're eight years old or 17 year old, have somebody who's praying for them by name, specifically by name. So we have some people who are praying for 10 people. 
And they, on Thursdays, the campers get to write a prayer letter to their prayer partner. And that has not changed since 1982, since we've been going to camp. That has not changed. And we've seen the fruits of those letters. Some have become pen pals. And maybe after 15 years, they finally meet whoever they were writing to. But I've got a few of them here that I brought. Here's somebody she does not know who she's writing to. It's a prayer partner letter. Dear prayer partner, I don't know anyone kinder than you. Thank you so much for praying for me. I am doing very well. This is my second time I come to this camp. Two years ago, I became a Christian. I used to be a Muslim and very strong in the religion. Christianity was like something I knew I would never be. My family did not like the idea. Right now, I am a very strong Christian. Two years, very strong Christian. So that's pretty good. But she says, I cry every time I leave this camp because it's my church. We try to get kids who don't have church planted into a local church and so that they can grow in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, that they're not just one week of summer camp. And sometimes it works and sometimes it just doesn't. Um, this is from a uh, young lady. She says, Dear prayer partner, the thing I enjoyed most about camp was food. <laughs> and, and the other heading was, Thank you for praying for me because God helped me work through some of the most troubled things in my life. Now, if you knew this young lady and the troubled things that she's talking about, probably none of us have ever even experienced that. Here's one that, I mean, I got a list and I'm not going to read them all. But the thing I enjoyed most about camp was when my canoe instructor flipped my canoe and I was up to mud up to my waist. I had a blast. That's camp, right? We don't always expect something like a big spiritual stuff to be put on paper. This is a kid who likes to come to camp. And his favorite part of camp was being flipped over and being up to his waist in the mud. It was a blast. And he said, thanks for praying for me because God helped me to recommit myself to him and try to read my Bible and pray more. I learned that he always knows best and he is the rule. He is the rule. So there's a ton of stuff. There's a ton of reasons that children, you know, they, they just come and they, they have things on their heart, things on their mind. And we have the privilege to minister to those boys and girls. You have Wilderness Day Camp coming up. You've got the same kind of kids. Some of the kids that come from good Christian homes. But don't ever think that just because they come from Christian homes that they get things all, all, you know, everything is going good for them. Because I've learned, we've learned at Camp Good News that just because they come from a good Christian home doesn't mean that their life has got it all together. Because we've seen just the opposite. We, we have. And those that seem to come from good Christian homes, you don't focus too much on them because oh, they've got all that good stuff home. You focus on the needy ones. When in turn, you know, so, so God has uh, stretched us in, in that area. For me, uh, th this morning, this morning, yeah, this morning, you can tell I'm prepared. Huh? But you know, how many of you feel that at times that you're so busy that you can't take on anything else. 
and then the phone rings and you have no choice but to take on something else but God gives the grace in, in, in our day and age everything is instant everything um, what's the first thing you do in the morning when you wake up and, and I'm speaking to myself do I take time to spend in God's word do I take time to hear from God from his word or do I go to my Facebook page right away to see if there's something there that I've missed or whatever it is is God does God have the preeminence in my morning because if he doesn't have it in the morning he won't have it in the afternoon and then at night I'm too tired I'm going to bed I'll deal with that tomorrow morning and it's a cycle I would call that the barrenness of a busy life you can be so busy that you don't have time to meet with God the, wor the world has its way of drowning things out bringing things in our path so we can neglect the things that are most important see God desires to communicate with us in, in Hebrews chapter, chapter 1 I know it's in here somewhere. In Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1, it says, God, who at sundry times and in diverse manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophet, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he had appointed heir of all things, by whom he had made the worlds. By his Son. This is God's word to me. When I got saved... In 1980, and really started walking with the Lord in 1981, I could not get enough of this. I could not get enough. I would get up in the morning at 6 o'clock and listen to J. Vernon McGee on the radio right before I went to work, just making it on time. But I couldn't get enough of the word. And now, I can use every excuse in the book to take time and just meet with God later. How come? What changed? Did God change? He didn't change at all. He, he did not. And, and sometimes we wonder, sometimes I wonder whether God is speaking or not. I think I, I'll ask myself whether I'm listening because God's still speaking. God's still speaking. The parents teach the children truths about the word of God. The Old Testament, they were told by God to teach their children and their children's children, their children's children's children, children's children grandchildren so they would not lose a generation you know what happens when you lose a generation you know how long it takes to get that back never because you've lost a generation we have children who come to camp who are bombarded with things that try to grab their attention whether it's social media whether it's music whether it's whatever's coming down the pike new trends when they arrive on the grounds, they already know that they can't bring their MP3s and their radios and their boom boxes and whatever it is. They can't bring it to camp. They can't. But you know what? They still try. But, but you know, this, this right here, I'm just using it to take pictures. This is my camera. Well, we want kids to take pictures. We want teenagers to take pictures. Very good. But as soon as you see it not being used for, you know, uh, you're not taking pictures. So then we collect them and we put them in a baggie, put their names on it, and we give it back to them at the end of the week. And 
you'd think that they would, would have just taken their lifeline away. But after two days, three days, they realized, wow, I can actually function without it. You know, it's pretty good. But God speaks to the hearts through his word. And our ears are naturally tuned into where our treasure is. Where's your treasure? Bible says where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Where's my treasure? You know, if my heart is set on the things of the Lord, man, my treasure will be there. It really will be. If we could be like that little guy, Samuel, when his mom brought him back to the temple to serve with Eli, and he was sleeping and he heard, Samuel, huh? And he got up and he ran to Eli. Yeah, you called? I didn't call you. Three times, go back to bed. Well, the third time, he said, if it happens again, that's possibly God. What did he tell Samuel to do? Huh? Anybody? Speak for what? Thy servant hears. How are we going to hear from God? How can we say speak for thy servant hears if this is on the back burner? Because God speaks to us through his word. How? Oh boy. I remember early in my Christian life, I used to read books. Hudson Taylor. I used to read books about how God answered prayers to these, these men. And it was like, whoa. I mean, there's no food on the table. He's got an orphanage. No food. Lord, thank you for the food that we're about to receive. Ding dong. A knock on the door. Listen, the milk truck broke down. Uh, Joe just hit a cow or whatever it was. Food all the time. I said, and I used to think, I want to be, I want God to answer my prayers like that. So what did I do? I went to see Pastor Google. And I remember sitting down and telling him that. I said, I want God to answer me in that way. I, I, I want to hear from God. Oh, he says, you want to hear from God? Good. Get to know his word. Get to know the God of the Bible. Get to know his word. Well, that's hard. Well, yeah. But don't we like shortcuts, huh? But you know what? When I fail in that area, I could say the barrenness of a busy life. I, uh, I just got back from Africa. It, it, man, it just seems like things... But I didn't just get back from Africa. It was in what, down? March? April? But it, it just goes by. We had gone, and I'll tell you why it flies by. We had gone to, to a good news club. Don and I were helping at a good news club in Belfast and talking about some tough kids. I mean, kids who have no moms, no dads, or some moms, some dads, better off with no moms, no dads. I mean, very, very hard. And there was this young lady that was there. She was 94 years old. She was sitting at a table. And you know me, I inquiring minds. So I go sit with her. And I say, what kind of advice? At 94 years old, what kind of advice would you have for somebody my age? She looks at me and she says, well, how old are you? I said, I'm going to be 62. She says, 62. She says, I was your age once. Then I blinked, and I'm 94. And so she says, if you have something that you need to do, you better do it now, because all I can do is think about it. 
And I thought, wow, the brevity of life. You know, and I'm sure we've all have stuff that we need to do, things that we need to get right, people that we need to see, and the list goes on and on. Ah, but there's still tomorrow. Is there? Is there tomorrow? But you know, oftentimes, you know what happens? How many of you ever heard of God being used as a scapegoat? You know, I'm going to make my plans. These are my plans. And then I'm going to ask God to bless them. Instead of going to the word and in prayer, seeking God's face, seeking his will, seeking his, his advice. And then, oh, okay. It's like the lady who's uh, unequally yoked, getting married. I know, I know I'm wrong, but I know God's going to bless us and I'm going to be able to lead him to the Lord. I remember talking to a lady like that at Camp Good News and we had gone to a church years later and we had seen her. I says, how you doing? All right. Divorced. Says it never worked out. He's unsaved. And I thought, well, hello. Deja vu. You know, you've been there. But I went to Africa and we think over here, we're the Western world. So we're going to go to Africa. We're going to go to third world countries. And we're going to teach them how to do church. Let me tell you something. Those men and women, our brothers and sisters in Christ, have a faith that is big like you wouldn't believe. Most of them have little to nothing. And they're content because they say, all I have is Jesus and that's all I need. When somebody looks us sideways and calls us a Jesus freak or one of those born-agains, we get offended and we say, well, I'm suffering for Jesus. <clears throat> yeah. I talked to a, uh, a man, a regional director of South Africa. He, uh, he was sharing his faith. He always had a smile. Always had a smile on his face. And I got to know him pretty good. But you know what? The smile is not something that he can fabricate. It's only God that can put it there. How many of you heard a number of years ago some rebels had gone into a village and they had captured some schoolgirls? He says, that's the norm. That's the norm over here. He says, the rebels come in and they wipe out a whole village. A whole village. They kill everybody except the teenage girls. And when they're done with them, then they kill them. He says, do you know how fast that rebels, you know how come the rebel armies are so, so prominent and they're, they've got so many people? They take the boys, the little boys, and they have the little boys kill their parents. And when they kill their parents, they tell them, this bad thing that you've done, nobody will ever want you anywhere near them. So you might as well join us. And most of them do because they have food, whatever it is. Those that don't, they're shot. And this guy, Francis, he says, I was one of those. And now he's with CEF. CEF has given him a, him and his wife and his family, a piece of land. And on that, it's like a, a safe house for whoever wants to come in. And he heard that the rebels were coming. And he wanted to stay there. 
And his wife told him, says, hey, my father's coming to get me. I think it was in an hour. If you're going to stay, you're going to stay. He says, no, I have to leave. Well, he left. When they returned, there was nothing left. But he says, the reason I keep going is I was such a child. And he said, there are children everywhere in Africa that don't know the Lord and they're just like me, like I was. How about us? Are there children in your neighborhood? You know, it's easy when you get them together at Camp Good News. It's easy when you get them together at Wilderness Day Camp. It's easy when you can get them in a crowd because people are bringing them in and then we minister to them. How hard is it to go in your neighborhood? It's tough, you know, because we're busy. We don't have time. They're not going to listen anyways. Snotty little kid, you know, whatever. And they're there. Who's going to tell them? How are they going to hear unless some, someone tells them? How are they going to hear? Talk to one of the, the men that's, I don't know, I think he's got 28 countries, overseeing 28 countries in the Middle East. There's all kinds of people at that conference. It was awesome. 28 countries in the Middle East, and he says, pray for Yemen. Pray for the Christians in Yemen. He says, there's no tolerance. He says, you don't hear that on the news. No tolerance. You're a Christian? You look like a Christian. Oh, the first thing they do, they take your head off. He says, it's not spank you, put you in jail. He says, you're decapitated. He says, do you know why? Because he says that's probably one of the most gruesome things to try to discourage somebody else from following the Lord. And he says, it's backfiring. He says, the gospel is growing like wildfire. North Korea is the only country that CEF is not in. The only country in the world. We're in 206 countries. The only country in the world without an established work. I mean, not just a throw a track and there, we're in the country. Even if it's underground, there's a, there's a, there's a work going on for boys and girls. Sharing the gospel for boys and girls with boys and girls. In North Korea, you know what they do? If I knew I was speaking tonight, I would have brought a balloon. They've got those, it looks like a pillow. It's kind of like the balloon that you give to your wife on a birthday or a 200th anniversary or something like that. They fill it with helium. Well, it looks like a pillow, and it's, and it's, a, it's a latex thing. You, I mean, you can't even, and embedded in there is the gospel from Genesis to Revelation. And they blow them up, and when the north winds are right in the summer, they release them thousands and thousands of balloons going into North Korea. Now there are Christians in North Korea and they come back with feedback you know they ask well Kim Jing Ying whatever his name is he, uh, he's not very happy that those things are going everywhere. But you know what? He doesn't control the wind. You know what's he going to do? But the gospel is being there. Do you know in some of the countries that are so closed to the gospel, do you know who's reaching more children? Take a guess. Who's reaching the kids? The kids. The kids. They walk in with bags full of wordless books. They walk in, they pass that through their customs, their gates. Oh, a book of colors. 
oh, nice, nice. You want one? Here you go. Thank you, thank you. They walk in. The kids are trained to share the gospel with those. And he says, it's going like wildfire. And he said, what? One of the men said, the thing that is spreading like wildfire is the persecution. He says, that, look at the book of Acts. When persecution came, they went everywhere. One man was laying flat down. Right, I mean, flat on the floor, prayer meeting one, one morning. And he was praying for the Christians in the USA. That's you and I. He says, when the persecution comes, may they stand strong. So I went to see him after. And he looked at me and he said, you know, Brother Roger, he calls him Roger. Uh, they, uh, they can't say Roger. They can say Robert, but they can't say Roger. It's Roger. He says, Brother Roger. <laughs> he said, where the USA is today, we once were. Then overnight, we are where we are. So he says, when the persecution comes, we pray that you stand strong. And I'm thinking, wow. The faith that those men and women have, I was, I, was, I was teaching workshops. Right now there's a Camp Good News in Ghana. Awesome. Camp Good News in Ghana. John went three years ago or two years ago and he taught, uh, excuse me, he taught the, uh, what do you call that? A 40-hour course. I went last year, taught workshops on, on, on Christian camping. There's a Camp Good News there. They're reaching not hundreds thousands of kids. In my workshop this, this time, one lady says, how many kids do you have in a cabin? The dynamics is different. I said, we have six kids, seven kids in a cabin, two staff. Six, seven kids, two staff. Another hand went up. One lady says, I have one worker, one worker, one worker. 300 children. What do I do? Then we talked about volunteer staff. What kind of staff? Not just anybody who wants to come off the street. How can they point them to the Lord if they don't know him? And it was like that all week long. What a blessing to see the faith. How strong it is. And, and, and standing up. You know when it says they were first called those Christians. Who was saying they? It was the unsaved. They were looking and they were saying, oh, they're one of them, you know, yeah. When Peter denied the Lord, that, that girl, oh, aren't you one of them? They knew there was a difference. Would they say that? If they see all of us walking down the street, oh yeah, they're of him, they're of that faith. You know, in Africa, you don't have a billboard or a sign, a big zero on here, but they know. So, well, what, what, for me, I know that if I don't meet with the Lord every day and hear from the Lord, when the times get tough, and they could, unless the Lord comes, that's always the hope of the believer, and it could be any, imminent, it could be any time, and I, I'd be okay with that. But you know, what if we're put through a test? Will we stand? If our faith is strong, we will. We will. And I don't welcome persecution on anybody because when you 
go out in the streets in Africa and you see the little that they have. You see babies just laying down on the road because there's nobody there to take care of them. They're just laying there and hoping somebody stops. And I mean, it's terrible. It really is. And we serve an awesome God. We have kids that will come to camp this summer. Oh, maybe they won't be the poorest of the poor, but they'll be the poor. And if they're not saved, they're the poorest of the poor. They all need the gospel. They all need the Lord. So I didn't quite know what I was going to be saying tonight, but I just want to share my heart. And that's what I wanted to do. And for me, it's got to start with, with the Lord on a daily basis. And if it doesn't, shame on me because he's done so much. So, Father, we just thank you for your goodness to us. We thank you for this day. And we do ask, Lord, that you would make us a channel of blessing for someone, that you would get all the glory for it. In Jesus' name, amen.